Good evening. We bid you welcome and invite you to taste the pod of Dracula. I am one of your hosts, Russell, and I am joined by my co-host, Josh Link. How are you, Josh? Russ, I am doing fantastic. I'm ready to talk about my guy, Drac. Very exciting Mm. times. Our guy, Drac. Yes. So, um, again, first, first episode here. So we should probably introduce you to ourselves and uh, our history with Dracula. But before we do that, tell you a little bit about what our show is. So, uh, basically, as far as we know, we are the only active Dracula discussion podcast, meaning that we are not a adaptation of the book. Um, we are just here to discuss, review, whatever you call that fun stuff, uh, all of Dracula's media, um... And we're going to be working in season formats, so we don't get burnt out. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, our first our first season is going to go out through the uh, month of October here. Five episodes with a few bonus episodes planned. But yeah, so that we're going to cover Dracula media. Movies, books, TV, uh, comics, video games, you name it, we're going to cover it eventually. Um, but uh, let us introduce you to your your nocturnal co-hosts here. Um, we'll start with you, Josh. What is your uh, history with Count Dracula? Well, I think with most people, just cultural osmosis, I learned about Dracula I mean, it's impossible growing up as a kid uh, in the month of October to not see a billion uh, references to Dracula all throughout the uh, the various forms of media out in uh, you know stores, you know decorations and lawns. Like it's it's ubiquitous. You can't you can't miss Dracula. Uh, probably the first time I actively engaged with a piece of media that was Dracula centric would have to be the castlevania video games mm. uh for nintendo the regular nintendo i'm i'm old um and that continued into super nintendo and into the 64 all the all the good uh systems from our friends in japan um after that i think the first movie that i watched start to finish shockingly is going to be bram stoker's dracula from 1992 mm. from francis ford coppola I'm pretty sure the first time I saw that would have been on like TNT, the edited for TV version uh, mm-hmm. growing up. Um, after that, I would say I, I I know I watched Nosferatu from start to finish when I was in high school for a video editing class. Uh, it was mentioned quite a bit in terms of teaching how to film horror. So that was one I looked up and watched. And then after that, you know, just cascaded from there the Lugosi Universal Dracula, the Christopher Lee Hammer Dracula, and all the other Draculas in between. So, Dracula. so many Draculas. So many Draculas. I think I read the novel the first time 
Well, I was probably in my 20s when I read uh, mm. the novel for the first time. I came to it a little later uh, after I'd seen multiple movies already. Yeah. Well, I also came to the book much later. Um, for me, I, when the Universal Monsters, they were doing that big you know, advertising campaign that the movies were coming to VHS for the first time. Um, it was such a media blitz. They had Burger King toys. They had the VHS uh, sets were all over the place. They were even on postage stamps. Uh, my mom grew up a huge fan of um, the Universal Monsters, but most specifically Dracula. And uh, she thought I could handle the Universal Monsters at a young age. Um, so she exposed me to them. And I instantly, um, for whatever reason, a five-year-old uh, attaches to Dracula um, Dracula and the Wolfman were my two favorites. Nice. And they, they still are. But um, yeah, Dracula has endured uh, throughout. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be 30 this year. So yeah, he's just been an integral part of my life. I've, I've seen so many Dracula movies and, Still haven't even come close to seeing them all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably impossible, actually, to see them all. <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, I've, I've loved the book, which, um, spoiler, is what we're going to be talking about today for our first episode. But um, every year I listen to the book, the audio book. Um, I think every year I've done a different version of the audiobook too i guess just to keep it fresh but man that first time i i experienced it was i don't know how to how to put it um you know dracula and all those classic monsters they're not really uh scary anymore to in pop culture i mean like you said you can't look at Halloween decorations without seeing a pastiche of Bela Lugosi as Dracula. But that novel, the first time I went through it, I was like, holy sh... This is... <laughs> this is actually pretty scary. Um, and I guess that's a good segue to uh, us talking about... Uh, we have to start at the beginning for our first episode... So we are going to talk about uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, not the movie called Bram Stoker's Dracula, but actual Bram Stoker's Dracula, the novel. Um, just a few little tidbits about Bram Stoker himself. Uh, we're not going to get too much into like the process of him writing it because we have a special interview coming up later in the season where we're definitely going to be talking a lot about that. But uh, Bram Stoker was uh, an Irish uh, writer. Uh, Dracula is really the only thing he's remembered for. He wrote several novels and some short stories, but none of them took off like Dracula has. There's a um, one in there somewhere. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> Which has a, a and, bizarre movie adaptation. <laughs> and we're going to, like I said, in our in the inter- interview we've got coming up, we're going to definitely dive into Stoker and his thought process. And we'll talk a little bit about him as we go today. But very complicated uh, web he, we- he uh, weaved <laughs> um, on purpose or not. <laughs> but... <laughs> But his magnum opus is this book. Um, so let's see here. All right. So the book came out on May 26, 1897. So it's 126, 20, yeah, 126 years old. It's an old one. Um, Still not nearly as old as Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, though. No, no. Uh, that was almost a hundred years before Dracula. I um, find that fascinating how the the gulf between Frankenstein and Dracula is so vast, but mm-hmm. we tend to think of them as the same because of the Universal monster movies. Right. But yeah, there, yes. there's a huge gap uh, in time mm-hmm. between those two. Also fascinating that Frankenstein, much older story, but it was the second to be adapted by Universal. Yeah, yeah. They went with Dracula first. Um, I, I, I'll, we'll have to bring that up during our interview too. But yeah, yeah they are often have like these kind of companionship. But holy cow, they're like <laughs> couldn't be more further apart. Yeah. Very um, different stories too i mean it's oh yeah very very different um but yeah we we just we always are going to think of them together because of those universal monster movies that's just the nature of pop culture yes and they're both very important to the horror landscape now oh yeah and how like frankenstein um well was the kind of the book that forever entangled science fiction and horror together absolutely whereas dracula is that gothic masterpiece um some people will argue with you whether it's a masterpiece or not but i think it's a masterpiece um yeah spoiler alert the two guys on this show are gonna think it's a masterpiece (laughs) (laughs) um it's funny though that uh, Dracula is definitely not the first vampire book. Um, every culture has their own vampire lore, their own folklore with vampires. Um, but in terms of fiction, uh, both Varney the vampire and uh, Carmilla existed before Dracula. Um, and I would assume that Stoker probably at least read Carmilla because there is some overlap here with that book. For sure. Um, have you ever read Carmilla? I've never read it. No, I will. Oh boy. This, it's an interesting one. Um, it, it has a, um, it's totally different than Dracula, but it has this eeriness to it. Like, I shouldn't be reading this kind of feeling. And also 
created the um, the lesbian vampire trope uh, way back in the day before much more modern times. Um, yeah, that's probably what I know, know it for. Like whenever uh-huh. I hear it, that's what I associate it with. But I, I definitely, it's pretty short, so I definitely recommend it. It's we we might have to talk about that on a future bonus episode because it's just it's something. Um, but yeah, this book, however, uh, kind of Stoker kind of compiles everything that he kind of researched with vampire lore. Uh, we speculate that he probably read Carmilla and maybe Varney and all that. Varney is kind of weird because if you try to read it now, it just comes off as drivel. Like it's <laughs> from what I have read about it. I've never actually read it, but uh, I think quite a few people at the time also thought it was drivel. Like, yeah, it was not well regarded as like a masterpiece, even when it right. was published. So that's uh <laughs> It's not surprising. It was it was a penny dreadful yes. that when that term actually you know existed, it was serialized and I think when it was compiled, it's well over a thousand pages. But <laughs> a um, lot of vampires. <laughs> it's just a whole lot of malarkey. Um, but it's funny that like even like Marvel Comics has adopted Varney the Vampire as kind of like the original vampire and all that. So. Yeah, the legacy is stuck. Um, But this book kind of created a lot of stuff, too. And everything we kind of like in pop culture know about vampires comes from this book, although not everything. Um, We're going to talk about something that uh, Nosferatu invented Mm -hmm. uh, in a couple episodes. But yeah. Um, well, is there anything we, we, you want to kind of pre preface before we jump into, uh, the book here, Josh? Well, I would say, um, the structure of the book is important. It's a yes. epistolary. I, I can never pronounce that word correctly. So I apologize for <laughs> it again, but, uh, it's, it's basically, it's told in a series of letters, journal entries, newspaper clippings. Uh, it's almost like. A found footage yeah. <laughs> type of delivery yep. system, which I think makes it even scarier. Uh, yes. When I read it for the first time, I thought that was really cool because it th- there's certain things that you are not privy to um, as you read it, uh, and we'll kind of get into that more later, I think. But uh, there's one chapter in particular that uh, was recently adapted into a movie that I think is is really effective in the book. Yes, um, yeah, and uh, I just I, I just find that story structure very cool that that the way the story is delivered to the reader yeah the first time i read this i had never been exposed to wow i had never been i can't even say it um i think it's epistolary i think it's epistolary correct uh, but i I could be totally Um, wrong and it's funny i've heard the word said but like when you go to say it it's like (laughs) what is this epistolary um yeah i had never been exposed to that so i thought this was a really unique thing but it turns out this that style had been around well before this book and well after i think another famous example in more modern times is world war z was epistolary um 
I haven't read that, but my fiance did. Uh, I also haven't seen the movie either, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the book is pistol. It, it, you know, told in journal entries, newspaper clippings, letters, um, f- phonographs, uh, very famously. <laughs> um, it's, it's a very unique, unique way to experience a story and like you said josh it is kind of the original found footage horror um well before there was found footage um if you were to do a modern like take on dracula i can imagine it being a combination of found footage like actual recording and also social media posts and blog post it would be uh be essentially the same just much more technologically advanced um well let's dive into it um so we'll we'll go through the major we're not going to go page by page because we'd be here for a hundred years um but the the major chunks of the story we'll discuss, and after we kind of get through that, we'll go through our characters. Um, but obviously, the book starts with Jonathan Harker in Transylvania. And to me, this is the strongest part of the book, uh, and the strongest part of most adaptations is... Jonathan Harker or by uh, Renfield in uh, Transylvania. Or, uh, Thomas Hutter. Or... <laughs> yes. Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the protagonist. So, <laughs> yes. So Jonathan Harker um, is a solicitor from London who has uh, recently uh, been instructed to uh, go to Transylvania because they have sold some land a uh, carfax abbey uh, to one count dracula um and they uh they're me- meeting there and you bet, you bet you're wondering i was like well why couldn't they have just doing, done the whole meeting by mail uh well dracula has an ulterior motive and not the sinister one actually yeah. uh he uh he wants to learn proper english words and sayings and he wants to uh in reality he wants to be able to seamen seamlessly uh walk the streets of uh britain without being detected yeah he wants to blend Uh, in and so he's gonna use jonathan to uh teach him customs whether jonathan (laughs) wants to or not (laughs) mm So we start out and he's like making his way to Transylvania. And uh, this was the book where I first heard of uh, paprika chicken, which is a fantastic dish. Uh, I made it a couple years ago and it's delicious. Um, but uh, as the closer he gets, uh, the uh, <laughs> the locals start to get a little uh, weary of uh, Harker's journey until finally he's picked up by uh, a mysterious uh, coachman 
who uh, is Dracula. Is Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dracula driving his own coach to his own castle. Uh, but and jump Jumping off the coach like size, to... It's, it's totally Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Jumping off the coach to uh, ward off uh, seemingly unending armies of wolves yeah. from ripping them apart. Um, which is such a terrifying, uh, that's like the first really scary moment in this oh, yeah, is, yeah. is like you, you hear like this howling and this growling and Harker goes to investigate and he sees Dracula. Well, he doesn't know it's Dracula step off the coach and kind of put his arms in the air and around the perimeter of light, you just see a lot of wolves and it's like, Oh <laughs> yeah. I am not safe. (laughs) But we finally probably mentioned as well uh, as he's heading up there, the, the uh, kind of horror trope of the harbinger uh, letting the protagonist know this is a bad idea. Do not do this thing and Mm -hmm. disregarding it altogether. That is such a key element of the Dracula story. And it's right there in the first, you know, opening pages of the book. It's, People telling him, hey, uh, you sure about this? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this is a good idea. It's almost in every uh, adaptation, uh, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> yeah, and it it's always seems like it's a, a heavy set guy with a giant mustache. Always, yeah. um, but uh, Off anyway. Hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we get to uh, Castle Dracula, and Dracula is. Uh, the nicest guy in the world. Um, he uh, he stays up with Harker late into the evening, just chit-chatting, having a good old time. He feeds him food, gives him wine, but he never drinks it. <laughs> he doesn't drink wine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Harker thinks it's funny that he never sees like any, uh, you know, housekeepers or maids or anything, but he doesn't think anything of it because he's having a good old time. So then uh, (laughs) Harker's there for a little bit longer than he intended. And Dracula's like, Oh, I want you to stay with me for a few months (laughs) to help me with my English. And he's like, Oh, okay. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and this is when uh, the spooky stuff starts to really happen. Um, we uh, are meet, we meet Dracula's brides, which is another iconic aspect of the character. We should mention what Dracula looks like. We should definitely mention what Dracula looks like, specifically okay. the Drac stash. Yes, uh, something that very few adaptations get right. Uh, Dracula is described as an old man with a big mustache, big white mustache, uh, like a, a, a domed forehead. I always think of, mm. um, like the Nosferatu when I hear that. Yeah. 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 That, that kind of protruding big forehead, uh, yeah. long white hair. He's got uh, pale skin, sharp teeth over his lips. I always think that's, uh, Interesting. I don't think they ever say it's just his canine teeth either. Right. That's how we always see the fangs, right? And right. The culture, but I don't think it ever actually specifies which teeth. Uh, just I think it's all the teeth. Yeah. 
he also has hairy palms, which is uh, very that is yeah, that's something that's really strange. Yeah, uh, <laughs> very unfortunate. Um, maybe it's the constant transformations into mammals, yeah, maybe other <laughs> mammals, but um, yeah. Once you know that, okay, Dracula is described as a tall man with white hair and a white mustache, you can't not think of uh, the Franco Christopher Lee version, where that's exactly what he's described as, pretty much. Yeah, that's Um, probably the best on-screen version in terms of being faithful to the book. The only thing, I I need to rewatch the the Franco one, and I will obviously soon, but uh, I don't they also describe them as having pointed ears, and I don't think mm. that version has pointed ears. I could be probably wrong. not, but uh, yeah, that that's another feature that is uh, creepy. You got the bat-like pointy ears. Mm-hmm. But he uh, he has the uh, brides of Dracula. He also um, has seemingly control of the locals, uh, at least some of them. Yeah, um, he's kind of got a henchman on the outside. Um, and, uh, Harker cannot seem to escape this place and he starts to see some weird stuff happening. Um, (laughs) Dracula crawling down the wall like a lizard. That is, I think my favorite, like depiction of Dracula, him just crawling along the walls of the castle, like some sort of creature like not a human that's uh one of the yeah. really truly like inhuman things he does early in the book and it's very creepy and unsettling i always love when that's in a movie adaptation as well because it just doesn't look right <laughs> no it's yeah. it's kind of that that uncanny valley situation where it's like that shouldn't be like that <laughs> right <laughs> um but uh I I think the single most horrific moment in this whole book uh, and the thing that few adaptations have had the audacity to do is that Dracula offers his brides a living, breathing baby. <laughs> sure does. And... Uh, that baby is soon silenced. Uh, it's not explicit in the book no, that you know, but, uh, but it's obvious. Yeah, we know, know what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they uh, to kind of elaborate on that point. Uh, the the brides are going to feed on Jonathan, uh, yeah. and uh, Drac is saying no that he's mine. Uh, but I got mm-hmm. you a snack uh, to tide you over. So yeah, well yeah, that is that is easily the most horrific moment in the novel uh and the films that do adapt it it's the most horrific <laughs> moments yeah. in those films as well yeah well it's funny you bring up the fact that dracula is like no this man belongs to me because that has created quite the subtext of of historians and philosophers that definitely sees an underlying gay homoerotic uh, aspect to the story not just for the men but the ladies too and you can definitely see that uh, is it intentional we'll never know um was stoker gay we'll never know 
But um, it is very interesting that once you hear that, or even if you like, I don't think I heard that the first time I went through the book, but it's very much there. Um, Especially when we start talking about the relationship between Mina and Lucy, that is also very um, gay. Uh, Maybe not at the time. Or maybe it was normal for two uh, friends to sleep in the same bed and all that. But, you know. It's very uh, pronounced in um, the Coppola version. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, the first <laughs> Dracula I watched start to finish, uh, those themes are very blatant <laughs> in that film. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of always had, since I watched that before reading the book, reading the book i had that in the back of my head already so i don't know if that colored my reading of it but uh it was certainly there yeah um so i have a a favorite moment here but i kind of want to save it till later when we talk about our favorite moments because i think (laughs) it is so it is so like darkly hilarious that I love it so much, but we'll talk about it later. Um, meanwhile, uh, we're kind of left on a cliffhanger with Jonathan for a while. He's been our hero the whole book, and um, he we don't hear from him. We immediately shift back to London to his fiance, Miss Mina Murray. Willowmina Murray. Yes, Willowmina. Um, who, I, again, we're going to talk about the characters in the own section, but Mina is so good. Yeah. I I love this character. Um, and it's, it's a shame that most adaptations don't get her right. Mm-hmm. Um, even the Winona Ryder version was a stretch. Yeah. Uh, but um, that's because they had to add the love, the love aspect, which uh, this book does not have. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> there is no uh, romanticized uh, Dracula in the novel. <laughs> this dude is just pure evil. Also worth mentioning that it is never once said in this book that dracula is vlad the impaler no no. that that was a construct created way later um he does have similar ancestry when Mm -hmm. he talks about his people but he's he's it's never insinuated that he was vlad the impaler yeah i mean we'll obviously get more into this in a later episode as we've said but um yeah i i i the whole Vlad the Impaler stuff, which is it is interesting that that's become you know pretty common now in adaptations, but uh, just him being set in Transylvania, like of course he's going to have a lot of the same attributes as a vicious <laughs> ruler in that region from about the same time period. Uh, mm-hmm. So like yeah, of course some of that's going to bleed in. It's almost impossible not to when you're talking about you know, his, his origins and backstory, but uh, was that a conscious choice by Stoker? Eh, we'll see. Yeah. I don't think there's really any evidence to back that up at all. He Stoker probably had no idea who flat the impaler was, um, but 
um, it's a very interesting, I mean, those, this historical figure has become forever linked to this fictional character. Yeah. And um, it's funny, some versions, it's, it's, oh, it's always interesting when Dracula is said to be somebody else, mm-hmm. like Dracula 2000, where he's Judas. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we will probably talk about that one unfortunately but <laughs> yeah um but anyway uh we're introduced to um mina and her best friend lucy uh and lucy is uh currently in the midst of getting several suitors involved with her and this is a roundabout way to introduce us to most of the rest of our supporting cast the cast in this book is there's like no one main character no no there's many main characters and it's a it's a tight group um but every character is interesting enough um some of them not as fleshed out as others um i think mostly well let's let's talk about them so the three suitors for lucy is Dr. Seward, who, <laughs> I mean, famously in the Universal version, is changed to Lu- to uh, Mina's dad. Yeah, strange. Yeah. And then you have uh, Arthur Holmwood, who is kind of this, you know, very, he comes from a very wealthy man. He's going to end up being the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Yes, in this British or Irish uh, book from 1897, you get a cowboy. Yes, you do. From Texas. From Tom, Texas. And Josh, I don't know about you, but Quincy Morris is the best. I love Quincy. It is so bizarre that he is in this novel. It's yeah, it's like he's just been. I mean, it, it, I mean basically he was he's plucked out of another country and dropped right into the middle of this uh british vampire story where he seemingly does not belong and yet is a very compelling and interesting character who is very important (laughs) it's so strange and he is a southerner from texas that is not portrayed to be stupid that too yeah Uh, um he's actually very well spoken and but he likes to speak slang because lucy likes it apparently (laughs) yeah i like that tidbit that that (laughs) seems very like true to that character like she would she would love that (laughs) yeah um well lucy ends up turning down dr seward who is the psychiatrist at the sanitarium yes that happens to be across from carfax abbey the place that Dracula purchased. Yes, indeed. Um, she also turns down that rugged Texan Quincy Morris, but not before Quincy gets her to give him a little kiss. <laughs> and uh, she has decided to marry uh, Arthur Holmwood. Yes. Arthur is um, the big winner. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a fine chap. You have to wonder if it was because of the money, but at the same time, it never comes across that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lucy seems like a very earnest, um, heartfelt girl who uh, 
maybe a little bit more of a um, promiscuous. Promiscuous is not the right word because she's not like no. having sex with these men, yeah. but she's uh, more of a popular girl, I guess, because, you know, Mina's already engaged to Jonathan, yeah. so she's off the market. <laughs> but she knows her worth. Yeah, I think that's how you should describe Lucy. She she's yes. not going to settle. Right. She's in charge of her life and her decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucy has a mother who, um, unbeknownst to Lucy, is on the verge of death. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> which is going to come into play <laughs> big time. Uh, she's got a bad heart. Um, but while this is happening, there's this little thing happening called the last voyage of the Demeter. Um, so for years, Josh, I was thinking, man, just take this chapter <laughs> and make it a movie. And by God, they did. Um, oh, they sure did. Well, over the course we'll talk- of many years, <laughs> yeah, this thing was in production or being you know bandied about for a long, long time mm-hmm. before it finally got made. Well, it just lends itself so, like, and we'll talk about what we thought of the Demeter movie much later. Um, But it really tries to take, you know, Alien, the movie Alien, which is exactly what you want to do. This chapter is the movie Alien, but on a boat. Yeah, yeah. And with Dracula. (laughs) Exactly. Um. I think if I had written it, I would have had more of a John Carpenter's The Thing feel to it, yeah, where yeah. you don't you don't know who's safe and who's not. Um, but yes, this chapter of the book is terrifying and depressing. Yeah, it is <laughs> bleak. <laughs> yeah, it's, tell tell us about the Demeter, Josh. Yeah, so it's it's a Russian ship uh, with a Russian crew that is uh, hired to transport Dracula to England. He, they don't know they're transporting Dracula to England, but that is what they are in fact doing. Uh, all they know is they're, they're transporting a bunch of crates filled with dirt yeah. to, to yeah. England. Uh, but uh, those crates of dirt happen to be Dracula's home turf dirt yeah <laughs> that's what put that native uh, soil native soil yes and uh he is uh sleeping in one of those crates and basically throughout the course of this chapter we just get the captain's log basically hit him like mm-hmm. telling us what's been happening and basically the different uh crew of this ship are disappearing one by one uh and people are reporting hearing strange things seeing strange things they see a strange figure something is on the boat they don't mm-hmm. have we know what's on the boat it's dracula spoiler alert it's dracula <laughs> and he is slowly feeding on all these people and killing them and there's just nothing they can do about it it's it's this true helplessness throughout the whole thing and uh one thing that i think is really interesting is that the captain as he's writing this never really gets it like he doesn't ever truly understand what's happening he ultimately thinks it's one of the crew members has gone insane and killed the others uh because one guy does the last guy that's with him loses his mind because uh he's seen dracula 
<laughs> it's, it's, Throws himself overboard. Yeah, yeah. So he ends up tying himself to the wheel to mm. uh, take it into shore. It's like he knows he's a goner. It's bleak. Yeah. It's really bleak. But but Captain's got to go down with the ship. Down the ship. Uh, it's, it's probably my favorite chapter mm. in the novel. It's just so harrowing. Yeah, in a way, it's the original I, I, slasher movie. It really is. Yeah, it's just picking them off one by the captain's the final girl. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> except he doesn't make it. Um, no, no. It's um, you know, the thing that sticks out to me is that one of the crew member talks about how he he stabbed the thing with his knife and it just phased right through him. Yeah, that's a really great image. And they also, the way that they, the people that actually see Dracula and describe him, and I think this is something the Demeter movie did really well, mm-hmm. is that he's not, he doesn't look human at this point. And I think we can infer that he's much more monstrous. Um, I always, you know, because the classic, you know, all the way back to the Lugosi is like, oh, he turns into an actual normal bat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it was Coppola's version that was like, what if he turned into a giant demon bat? Yes, yeah. I was like, yes. Or maybe Castlevania was the first oh, to do that. It's like good call. It might be, might be Castlevania. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But he is. Uh. Yeah. The Demeter section is just perfect um yeah it's just great <laughs> horror there's no it's unrelenting mm-hmm. um so dracula does make it to the mainland um in this case uh, uh whitby mm-hmm. or uh, london and uh immediately starts messing with uh lucy yeah <laughs> poor lucy in another another terrifying aspect where so Mina is waiting to hear back from Jonathan. Uh, she hasn't heard from him. Uh, there's this really great bit back in Transylvania where Jonathan asks Dracula, how many letters do you want me to write? And he says three and he gives him the date. And then Jonathan's like, okay, I know the day that I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we leave off with him. Um, yeah, if you are not familiar with the the movie adaptations and you're reading this book you are going to assume jonathan is no more <laughs> yes because we yeah. just we leave him we follow dracula over to london and see you jonathan you're, you're a goner yeah yep i think i think it would have been very easy for him to just have killed him there stoker yeah. but um no we we had to have a somewhat happy ending uh <laughs> but uh this terrifying bit where Lucy is sleepwalking or uh, Mina thinks she's sleepwalking mm-hmm. because she has in the past and she goes up to this cliff side, which is super dangerous. Sounds like it, it gives me the yeah. willies just thinking about it's apparently a real place. Oh yeah. Uh, apparently a hundred percent accurate was Stoker's um, uh, like description yeah. of yeah. Whitby and where all the locations and yeah, very cool. And one version actually was filmed there. I think it was the first BBC version yeah, was actually filmed there. Yeah. Um, but Mina comes across Lucy and she kind of sees something towering over her behind her. 
but then it's gone. Yeah, real creepy. But oh man, it's so masterful how this is a scary he's book. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like I can't imagine reading this in 1897. Uh, No, no, no exposure to you know modern movies and stuff. Like this must have been horrifying because it's all it's still scary today. And it was, yeah, there was nothing like this at the time. And uh, just recently in real life, at this time, Jack the Ripper happened too. (laughs) So, um. It was really a uh, product product of its time, but um, yeah. So this begins the oh man. It's one of my favorite parts of the book, but also it's so devastating. Yeah, is like decline of Lucy. You know, in a lot of adaptations, Lucy immediately is dead. She gets bitten and she's done. Yeah, not she's. Last, yeah. No, we we have we are endeared to this character. We are constantly trying to fight for this character to survive. Um, and most of the cast has no idea what's going on. But we are introduced to a character named Abraham Van Helsing. Oh, what a great character. Uh, yeah, uh, not only arguably the second most famous character from this book but also an archetype that would last the rest of horror yeah um the ahab if you will yeah, this it's, is it's the expert who's been brought in yeah knows like yeah <laughs> there are so many movies that have the uh um character who's meant to deliver exposition and help mm-hmm. the you know characters the established characters defeat the villain that's yeah. that's van helsing this is who yes. it is. Yeah. Um, if you're, if, I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you're not really a Dracula fan. Maybe you're just <laughs> curious, but I think a modern analog would have to be Dr. Loomis. Oh, for uh, sure. For sure. And from Halloween. Um, that is, that's, I, and like in the, uh, the, have you ever seen the movie The Rise of Leslie Vernon behind the mask? I haven't seen it, no. I, I'm aware okay. of it, but I've never actually seen it very meta yeah you know slasher and they call this trope like the ahab where it's the crazed (laughs) expert (laughs) trying to kill off the evil um in that movie it's it's funny enough it's uh robert england oh that's uh is that is the ahab but uh i love that um but yes so van helsing's brought in and he is a doctor he's a scientist but he's also very open-minded and he starts to put two and two together and realize that this is a vampire, but he won't say that (laughs) because he know how everyone will react. Yeah. Yeah. He knows what's going on, but he also knows if he's going to get these people to, you know, stop this thing, he's got to play it close to the chest. (laughs) Yes. And, oh man, the ups and downs of this part of the book is just, it's so good. I, I'm going to say you can't do some of this stuff medically, 
I don't think you can give that many transfusions yeah. from different people. <laughs> so every time Lucy loses a lot of blood, they she gets another blood transfusion from a different person. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't do that. No, um, but uh, in the book, it does work. It, it, every time yeah. she gets a blood transfusion, she she you know her 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 health is restored enough mm-hmm. that she's she's living. Yeah. Um, at Dr. Seward's sanitarium, there's a very interesting inmate named Renfield. Yeah. So I, Renfield in the book confuses me, Josh. Uh, same. And I, I'm guessing it's the same reason, but that will let you. Uh... <laughs> um, because he's, he's serving Dracula. But when did they meet? <laughs> okay. Yes. So the, the, I had the same same confusion the first time I read the book because, well, again, I'd seen the movie adaptations. Mm-hmm. And the movie, each movie treats Renfield completely differently. That there's there's no like through line for Renfield other than he's an inmate in this asylum. Other than that, there's the character changes. Well, I mean. We won't even get to the universal stuff, but it's, yeah, Renfield's very different in every adaptation. Uh, and a lot of the adaptations, it's, he is someone who is serving Dracula from the start. Yep. Um, the book, that does not appear, the way I read it is that when Dracula arrives, that's when he meets Renfield for the first time. It's like, oh, this guy's uh, crazy and violent. I bet I could get him to do my bidding. That's yeah. essentially what Renfield is in the book. Mm-hmm. And in the Coppola version, they add the context that, oh, he was the predecessor to Jonathan. Yes. He went to Transylvania first and came back to <laughs> yeah. a wreck. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. one redcon that I actually really like. I like the idea yeah. that this guy met Dracula and just got mentally wrecked by him and became his servant uh i I think that's a cool idea rather than he was always just a a crazy person in an asylum who just is easily manipulated by dracula yeah i think you could argue that like uh, renfield was already you know the collecting the flies and the spiders and all that but then there's a moment where renfield kind of like switches to like this um he starts talking about the master and all that you could infer that dracula has come to him at some point in between um because uh later we find out that dracula uh can come in that cell anytime he wants uh no problem but it's renfield is a character that i don't know how it came across um in 1897 because I mean, a lot of this medically would not fly today. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, it's, 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 uh, malpractice here, but uh, um, but Renfield is—he's creepy, but he is also like—he's um, sympathetic. Yeah, he's not in control uh, of his own mind. No. Um, but he's collecting flies and spiders and birds, and he ends up uh, eating them. And uh, he asks for a cat. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, so glad that um, that didn't happen. Yeah, it's um, denied. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, again, there's a part in this, the Seleucy section that I can't wait to talk about in my favorite moments, because again, darkly hilarious, but also like so terrifying and just like a gut punch, but I, I, I want to save it. Um, Lucy succumbs that she does. It's very sad. Uh, in the meantime, Jonathan and Amina, Jonathan's fine. Um, uh, a nurse in Romania <laughs> sends a letter to uh, Mina. Is like, we have your husband. Uh, he's not doing the best, but he's going to make it. Um, they get married. Yeah. And I can't remember which order it is. If it's Lucy dies first or whatever, but uh, Mina was together. Yeah. Mina reads Jonathan's journal and all the stuff with Dracula and she doesn't really know what to think. Yeah. And understandably so. Yes. <laughs> um, be- because yeah. the nurse had said that he had like a brain fever yeah. and, but the nurse also definitely believed in Dracula. Yeah. For sure. And vampires. Um, but uh, Lucy dies and <laughs> it's this great bit where Van Helsing's like, my good gentleman, we've got to cut off her head and stuff her mouth full of garlic. Yeah. Please allow me to do this. And they're like, I dare say, sir, you're mad. That's going to be a no for me. Sorry. <laughs> we're, we're not doing uh, poor Lucy. But after some convincing and seeing how hard that like Van Helsing tried to help Lucy, they begrudgingly agree. Um, and Lucy's a vampire. Lucy now. is a vampire. And she is a she's quite the formidable foe herself, feeding on children. Yeah, specifically targeting children, which is uh, again, this novel is messed up. <laughs> Yeah. Again, 1897. The uh the lovely female character that we've all fallen in love with is now going around <laughs> killing children. Yeah. <laughs> and they call her is it the floofer lady? Uh, I wrote it down, bloofer. Bloofer lady. Yeah. yeah. B L O O F E R bloofer. Mm. She's she's kind of a um a take on like the lady in white yes. kind of folklore thing and well they they put her they put her down Van Helsing and crew put Lucy down and this is when everyone's like okay so vampires exist yeah. and there's a vampire on the loose and we don't know who it is and this is such a like a different take than like the universal version to where Dracula is like they know him. Yeah, yeah. Like he introduces them him, himself to them and they their neighbors and all this stuff. Yeah. This version Dracula is this enigma from Jonathan's journal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, He's the boy so, out there somewhere. Yeah. Long story short, because there's a lot to this novel, but there is, yeah. They have they find out that uh, okay, so his earth boxes are at Carfax Abbey. There's a fantastically creepy sequence where they go in there 
and they think they see him, and then it's just a flood of rats. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that bit. It's really, really creepy. Mm-hmm. Makes you Renfield's Renfield's murdered by Dracula, gets his back broken yeah. because he was actually helping. Uh, he was kind of betraying his master. Yeah, he felt bad. He had a he, his conscience uh, got him killed. They've been they've tracked managed to track down almost all the earth boxes but one. And then something really terrible happens. That it does. They're all looking, oh, we just we worked so hard finding those earth boxes tonight. Let's check in on Miss Mina. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's being bitten by uh dracula and there's a little scuffle and oh it's so good um this like i don't think people realize that after the transylvania bit uh, there's a little bit where you get some dialogue from dracula when they talk about the escaped wolf and that little Mm -hmm. section there yes but dracula has not he's he has ceased to be a character at this point he is just this apparition so he finally gets some more dialogue here when yeah. he's fighting them in uh, the harker's bedroom <laughs> and yeah. um he's decided that he's fleeing back to transylvania um but mina is becoming a vampire yes not only has she bitten mina and drink right you're right mina has consumed some of his blood as well yes which is is, yeah that's a big problem (laughs) um so the only way for uh, mina to survive is they have to kill dracula yeah and this is a really intense uh part because it's this chase by boat so it takes forever you know um and it's not like they can jump in a car or an airplane um and (sighs) mina has a psychic link with dracula this is very cool (laughs) again 1897 this is a very cool idea Van Helsing will uh, hypnotize her and she can see where Dracula is. Um, so it's, but she's becoming more and more yeah, vampiric. Yeah. Uh, the group split up. Um, Van Helsing and Mina go their own way and the rest kind of go their own way. Uh, Van Helsing kills the brides of dracula yeah yeah. which is very cool yep and then we get our big final battle um everyone's on horses and they're fighting like these romani henchmen that dracula has um yeah a little little cringe the uh (laughs) the romani uh followers of dracula yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Not, not great. Not great. Doesn't no. stand the test of time, to say the least. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a, definitely a pro. It's like you have to like when you read H.P. Lovecraft. Now you've got to yeah. you've got to keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, Dracula, is, they come upon his coffin uh, and. Um, 
you might think, well, do they stake him in the heart? Do they uh, expose him to the sunlight? No. No. They cut his throat and they stab him in the heart with a knife. Yeah. Knife attack. And he dead. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it for Dracula. He dead, dead. Um, Quincy Morris is unfortunately killed. He is. Yeah. He succumbs to his wounds from fighting the Romani to get to Dracula in the first place. Yeah. In the epilogue, um, the crew returns to Transylvania to pay respects to Quincy and to also, you know, kind of put a bow on. Uh, yeah, we killed Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the plague of our life. Um, and that's it. That's it. Um, I think it's it's uh, it's fantastic. But I I. I little disappointed with the ending i wish dracula had had more of a fight <laughs> yeah yeah but um you know yeah, the fight is, is, is with his his minions not right himself. yeah which is right obviously i don't think even even the coppola version that's not how it plays out that's the probably the closest he has a little bit of a fight in the yeah. coppola version yeah. but Again, they add the whole love angle to the the thing. Um, so let's talk about our characters one by one here. All right, yeah, let's uh, do it. So Jonathan Harker. Uh, to me, Jonathan is like the heart of this book because, I mean, that's who we start with. Yeah. That's who meets Dracula first. He's a point um, of view character for the first half of the novel, basically. Yeah. He's a very, um, he's, he's a nice person. He, he, he's very much in love with his fiance and then wife. Um, my read on this whole book is that, um, I mean, it's documented that, um, uh, stoker's wife florence was not the most loving partner um she was kind of it was a loveless sexless marriage so to me stoker is really writing this harker character as himself yeah and mina is the woman he always wished he could have it's basically a story of like unrequited love <laughs> yeah um yeah it's power fantasy essentially yeah yeah and projecting what he wishes his life was like <laughs> yeah but harker's he's great he um he manages to escape dracula and uh, ends up being a, a vital part of the the dracula bust and crew yeah. but um he does kind of take a back seat in the second half of the the book it does um, uh, basically you can kind of split this book into two chunks there's the jonathan chunk where he is meeting vamp the, you know meeting dracula basically establishing what dracula is what the lore is and then the second half is mina's story more dealing with mm -hmm. the arrival of dracula yeah I think Mina really becomes Mina and Van Helsing kind of become our, our main characters, yeah, but that's uh, that second chunk. Yeah, for sure. Um, but speaking of Mina, like, I think we've, we've already said she's great. She is. Um, 
I know there's some there's some historians, some reviewers that kind of view this book as um, kind of being a, a commentary on how women were in Victorian age and how they were becoming ungodly and all this stuff. And, but I think in modern context, Mina is like a very strong, well-written for the time female character. Um, She's capable. She's intelligent. Um, even when she's a quote unquote damsel in distress, she still helps because she's got this psychic link with Dracula and she can help track him down. Yeah. She's vital to defeating Dracula. Mm -hmm. And she's very loving and caring and she's tough. Yeah. Um, she's a great character. I think she's might be my favorite character in the whole book um besides our title character <laughs> um but um well, i guess i should have said what's your thoughts on harker and mina yeah i i mean you, you kind of summed them up uh i i definitely view harker in particular as the uh character you're meant to project yourself onto as a reader because he's mm-hmm. he doesn't understand what's going on he's the point of view character that's I mean, he is how he interacts with Dracula is how the readers interacted with Dracula. Everything we know about this character is through Jonathan. So to me, that's where he shines is just as the everyman, normal person being exposed Mm -hmm. to this supernatural terror that Mm -hmm. he is in no way equipped to deal with. Yeah. And Mina is... um... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you agree with me. She's fantastic. Yeah, Mina's a great character, um, especially especially the 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 mental stuff, I, all the hypnosis stuff, like mm-hmm. all that is just very cool. Um, yeah, and they do such a good job of making you like her as well, uh, so that when they show up and Dracula's feeding on her, it's truly like heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, especially because. Um, they inadvertently caused it because she wanted to go with them and they were like, no, we're men and we're going to go do manly things. You've got to stay back. And that's when Dracula strikes because he's like, you stupid fools, you know, this, uh, it's, that's why I don't view this as like being anti-women because like, If they had listened to her, yeah. you know, it would have turned out different. Yeah. Um, I know we're going to talk about this a lot in future episodes. Um, Mina is usually relegated to a damsel in distress or she is in love with Dracula. That's it. And I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's two particular versions where she is even implied to be the reincarnation of Dracula's wife. Yes. Um, or I guess you could say Vlad Tepish's wife, but um, because in those two versions are the versions where it's like, oh, he's Vlad the Impaler yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's not subtext, it's text. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I think that's a disservice to the character. I know a lot of people, especially like the female uh, contingent that I've grown up with, they love the Dracula being a love story. Um, and I, I'm trying to like, I'm sure you can pinpoint like the, the first adaptation that was like, Oh, Mina and Dracula have like this love story with them. But I mean, the Lugosi version dress the first time Dracula is like sexy (laughs) and suave. He's not a monstrous person like the book, and he's definitely not as monstrous as he is in Nosferatu. <laughs> but uh, um, it's really interesting that dr- that part of Dracula is just accepted as canon yeah. now, and it was commandeered from the Phantom of the Opera, I it's, think. Yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, very, very similar. And Cape and all. Yeah. And then, like, it's <laughs> the mummy commandeers it too, because the original mummy with Karloff is just a remake of Dracula, but with yeah. e- Egypt mythology. Um, <laughs> and I don't know why I have such a distaste for it. It's not like I hate love stories, because <laughs> I don't. I don't hate love stories. It's just that I want Dracula to be evil. Yeah, yeah. And. I I don't you can make him sympathetic but I don't know. I it rubs me the wrong way. It didn't used to until I read the book. Ah. And now it rubs me the wrong way. Um yeah, he is truly a monster in the novel. Yeah. He has no redeeming yeah. qualities whatsoever. He's just a right. bad dude. <laughs> mhm. Uh, especially when he gives that big long racist monologue and with <laughs> and John Harker's uh, yeah. <laughs> talking about the the different races. He, come on, dude, we're they're all one race. Don't <laughs> we're all the humans. Um, but um, well, our next character is the tragic Lucy Westerner. Uh, truly tragic, yeah. Um, she's such a vibrant character that it really is effective when she meets her doom and it's such a prolonged death yeah it's practically like torture porn like yeah. the way she goes out it's brutal because it's mm. over such an extended period of time and you just see the vitality wiped away it's it's truly bleak and depressing i can't i can't imagine basically going every day being anemic yeah yeah. You know, I get I get a transfusion. I'm fine. I'm feeling great. And then the next day I'm drained again. Yeah. Um, Especially when you I, see how, like you said, like how vibrant she is to start. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this this huge personality. Mm-hmm. To see that ripped away is is uh, pretty dark. I said Harker was the heart, but I think Lucy might actually be the heart because she's our connective tissue. She's what brings everyone together. And basically her death is whatever is what sets in motion. Oh, we got to kill this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her her Um, death uh, launches all the other characters into action for real. Yeah. 
It's also so like sad, but also very heartwarming that she has so many people that loved her and cared about her. And I, it always struck me and maybe this is just me, you know, being a, a, a big hearted soul myself, but I love that these three men that were competing for her love end up teaming up. Like they were already all friends. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, and, that is an underrated aspect of this story. In my opinion is that these, yep. these three guys that were all in competition, essentially for Lucy's hand, uh, when she goes down, it's, Hey, we're all in this together. We we're going to first try to save her. And then, later try to avenge her mm-hmm. and they're they're all have no issues working together to do so yeah dr jack seward um again we're the the um, <laughs> the medical stuff in this is not aged well no. um but Blood jack is left and he, right. yeah and also let's how we treat our mental patients and always call them psychos and maniacs. And um, I always remember Dracula dead and loving it (laughs) where, where Dr. Seward's uh, remedy for Renfield is to always give him an enema. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, poor Renfield. But, uh, but, uh, oh man, I can't wait to talk about that one. Um, but, uh, uh, there's an interesting little aspect of his character that's not fleshed out too much is that he's a, is a Coke addict. Um, that, that comes up one time or maybe a few times and he's like, no, I, uh, cause he uses it to help him sleep. I, I maybe it's probably not Coke it's a, then. Is, is it morphine? Uh, morphine? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely an opiate. Yeah. He's taken. And he uses it to sleep sometimes. Um, but, uh, the one instance he's like, well, I, I, I thought of Lucy and I don't want to tarnish her memory by using this drug. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's a, he introduces uh, the phonograph into the story, which is a really interesting idea uh, for the time period because that was new technology, pretty much. Um, basically, I'm going to record my voice on this <laughs> archaic thing. <laughs> uh, and yeah, he's. <sighs> he's kind of the least interesting of the group no he's not because i think arthur is probably the least i was gonna say yeah arthur's but but yeah um but seward he's just he's another one of our vehicle characters where we're like we're seeing renfield and we're seeing like lucy's decline and he obviously has the connection with van helsing Mm -hmm. So he's another connective tissue character. Very much a bridge uh, to uh, and characters and story elements. Yeah, he's um he's a little bit of a whiner. <laughs> yeah. But it's okay. Um Yeah, Seward's not my favorite. Um but 
I um I mean he he fits the he suits he he I how do I want to say this? <laughs> he fits the story exactly how he's meant to. Yeah, he he serves his purpose. Yes. That's what he's I meant to say. Yeah. Mm. Um we just said he was the least interesting yeah, but say, Arthur uh, Arthur less so serves a purpose. <laughs> Other than being uh, rich, uh, that's yeah. personality trait. <laughs> yep, it's cool. And uh, okay, he's in love with Lucy, and he's got a sick father. And no, that too. He his father dies, and he becomes the Lord, and all this. And I'm a big man about town now. Um, <laughs> That's his entire character, and they couldn't have got a better person to play him than Kara Elways <laughs> in the in the Coppola version. But uh, yeah, I, um, I, I will say, uh, yeah, the casting in that film—all three of the suitors are cast perfectly. Mm-hmm. Mm. Let's talk about our big text, yeah, Quincy that's... Morris. Who unfortunately is the only cast member besides Lucy that dies. dies yeah. Um he's just he's this big lovable teddy bear uh that also kicks major ass. Yeah. He's the action <laughs> hero of the yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very funny that uh this English novel, this British novel, I should say, because obviously he's irish but uh yeah but the the characters are mostly english in this but uh yeah quincy is he like he's grabbed out of a different novel (laughs) but it's so weird but it works for some reason it's just yeah he's this uh kick-ass texan that they drop it's like yeah no i'll get the job done (laughs) yeah you almost wanted to say you know Dracula fled across the desert and Quincy Morris followed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like the Roland of the book. Not nearly as stoic no, and no. brooding as Roland, but yeah. yeah. I, I just like, did, did Bram Stoker like read a Western? Was like, this rules. I got to add a Western yeah. character to my novel. Like, I, <laughs> it's so strange. It's funny that even like all the way back then, cowboys, American cowboys were like, man, those are the dudes. Yeah. Those are. <laughs> <laughs> Renfield is our tragic maniac who takes small lives, yeah. not big ones. Yeah, little, little critters. But, yeah. Um,. He gets a pretty gruesome death does, too. Yeah. He gets his his back broken and pretty vicious. You know, I don't think the book version is nearly as um, beloved as like the Dwight Fry Universal yeah. version. Um, but I think that is because we're in the Universal mo- version. He's your main character yeah. for the first half of the movie. Um, Interesting choice. Yeah. Uh, and that performance by Dwight Fry is just amazing. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. 
but the book Renfield, um, I mean, he serves his purpose as well. Yeah. Um, and he's very creepy. The the part where he eats the birds raw <laughs> is yeah sticks sticks out in my mind. Um. All right. Well, we got our main two here. Yeah. Van Helsing is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> The vampire hunter trope exists because of Abraham Van Helsing. Yes. And he, he knows what's going on and he's going to deal with it. And he's got to tiptoe around it because he knows how people are going to react. And it's so, he's so well-written. He's such a thoughtful character and he's this nice man and I don't think that the Coppola version does him justice. Um, <laughs> I do really like that version. It's just very, very different. <laughs> yeah, he's an asshole in that version. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, scenery is chewed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by Anthony Hopkins in that movie. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What do you think about Van Helsing? Van Helsing rules. I so the the person I picture in my mind when i'm reading that novel is peter cushing um mm, god yes yeah. that's like the cool badass vampire hunter who has all the knowledge like that is that is the guy that i think you mean it's not hugh jackman he's <laughs> <laughs> no, not hugh jackman oh man Oof, no, no definitely not <laughs> Cushing's the man Yes, I, I I think Cushing's my favorite Van Helsing as well. I mean, gotta be, and the fact the fact that he can be this heroic Van Helsing and then be the most evil Doctor Frankenstein of all time by far, and, just the worst. And not to mention, he's our beloved Grand Moff Tarkin <laughs> on top of all that. Yes. So, yes. Um, Dracula. Dracula. Book Dracula is great. Book Dracula is one of my favorite villains ever in anything because he is this pure evil. He's, you know, a killer. He's a murderer. But much like uh, people probably don't if they're coming to this fresh, not hurt us on other shows, other podcasts, they're probably like, well, where does this reference come from? But he, uh, he's kind of got the emperor Palpatine to where he's this evil person, but he, he finds time to be hilarious. (laughs) 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 But again, I'm not going to spoil those, that thing until we get to the top five moments, but Mm. Dracula is like this dick. He's just a dick. And he's, I think we mentioned like after the Transylvania part, he just kind of becomes like this spooky apparition in the back. He's the specter of blood. And it's, uh, he ceases to become a character and he is just a threat. Yeah. He's a fierce creature. Um, The second novel. He's, he's the boogeyman lurking, you know, in the shadows yeah yeah, uh, yeah the, the, I don't... the first half with him is uh it's so interesting because he's very intelligent well-spoken like he is he is not 
he does not come across as a force of nature in the first half. Mm-hmm. He is a person yeah. who happens to be a vampire. Um, yeah. And then the second half, it's like he completely succumbs to his nature and he's yeah. no longer a person. He is just pure monstrosity. He's a new hunting ground. Yeah. Like fresh meat. Um, I, I'm giving, I'm getting the image of Christopher Lee, like at the beginning of the first hammer Dracula. And then when he gets the bloodshot eyes yeah. and he's just a mad raving monster for the rest of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah, Dracula, Dracula kicks so much ass. He's just, he's the best. I, I, I still a little bit disappointed by his death, but yeah, that's um, a little anticlimactic considering everything happens. Yeah. One, one thing that I don't think we mentioned is, uh, his de-aging. Um, yeah. The, the yeah. more he feeds, the younger he appears, um, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. It also makes you wonder like, uh, was he running out of people in uh, Transylvania to feed him? Because like, he's he's looking way older in Transylvania. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, is, is he is he conserving his food supply up there? Mm-hmm. Or what? What? <laughs> <laughs> Once he's in London, it's just a buffet, I guess. It's. Uh... Well, he, he seems to be nice enough not not to feed off his army of minions. True. He doesn't he doesn't kill them, um, and he. he He's got three. He got three wives to feed, man. Well, He's got to, yeah. <laughs> but he's got to put baby on the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So, final thoughts on the book, and then Josh, we've got a rating scale here. I enjoy this rating um, scale you've come up with. Russ. It's very, it's very simple. Either no fangs, one fang, or two fangs. So yeah, give me your final thoughts and then give it a rating. Uh, I mean, this is a classic. There's a reason it's one of the most famous horror stories of all time. It's because it's basically timeless. It can be adapted over and over again. Uh, Dracula is the quintessential villain in a horror story. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we have a podcast dedicated to Dracula. Uh, I mm-hmm. like Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah. should come as no surprise. Um, yeah. It is a clear two fangs for me. I mean, it's yeah. it's great. It's a great, great novel. It's I I think it's my favorite book. Period. Nice. Um, it's so well written, and I'm sure people are going to argue that it's not because if you even look at reviews back in the day. This book was often ripped to shreds, um, but I think it's so effective, so scary, it's spooky, but it's also an adventure story, mm-hmm. and it's about you know companionship and like love, and not just like romantic love, but platonic love as well. And yeah. it's 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 such a wild ride. And the apostles, they, I can't talk. <sighs> the style of the book <laughs> is is very unique. Um, it's it's just it's 
it's perfect to me. And, you know, I think I, 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 this might be, this might be breaking news. Uh, I think it's a much better book than Frankenstein. Oh, wow. See, this is going to disagree. (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) Frankenstein is my personal favorite novel as we've discussed before, but uh, yeah. And they're both better than uh, the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which is. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Is much. It's, well, I mean, it's much shorter. That's a novella, but um, I think Frankenstein is great, but I don't know, man. I just connect with this one way more. Which which Um, did you read first? Out of curiosity. Dracula. Okay, yeah. See, I read Frankenstein first. I wonder how much that uh, impacts yeah. our, our, our respective uh, <laughs> rankings of these novels. Well, and I was always more attached to Dracula than Frankenstein, even back with the Universal. Yeah, yeah. See, I was movies. the other way around. Yeah, I was more of a Frankenstein yeah. guy. So yeah, yeah. This, this all tracks. This all makes sense. Yep, it does. Um, I love Frankenstein. I'm yeah. I'm both I mean, the the Universal and the book um no same same yeah but i i think there is an argument i that i might like uh curse of frankenstein more than horror of dracula well um but only because peter cushing is uh, so lovingly evil in that um anyway we're off track now (laughs) talking about frankenstein um but yeah, I'm giving it two fangs. I think it's a masterpiece. Um, it's very... Uh, you don't experience horror the same way in prose that you do in film. No, no. So I have always struggled to be scared by a book. Mm. I don't know. I, I guess it's because it's hard for me to put myself uh, in there. Uh, I think it's also really hard in comic books to make me scared. But the first time I went through this, it was pretty spooky. I, I, and you know, I was mostly familiar with the story because other than a few tidbits, you know, a lot of the movies take the basic story and adapt it. But, um, yeah, I, it blew me away. Um, so now it's time for our top five moments, and then we're going to wrap up our first episode here. Josh, um, do you want to kind of do this like your top five, my top five? Let's let's, your... uh, let's alternate. We'll, we'll let's do uh, five to one. I'll do okay. my five, your five, my four, your four. All right. How does that sound? It sounds good. I, I don't know if mine's going to be in an actual order. No, like okay. See, I, I definitely ranked mine. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I don't think to this. So uh, I'll just, <laughs> just listeners keep in mind that mine are not in like a distinct order. Um, Josh's is, uh, well, give me your first one. Oh right, yeah. So, so my number five was, uh, when Van Helsing kills the brides. Uh, mm. I, I just think that's, uh, a gruesome enough uh, uh, scene. You, you got to stake them. You got to cut the heads off. You got to stuff the mouths with garlic. Mm. It's just a, a, a cool <laughs> image, yeah. uh, especially with like, you know, the, the whole journey to get to them and all of that. I just find very fun. Yeah. 
Um, my number five is uh the encounter with Dracula when he's feeding on Mina. Oh, that's a good uh, one. Yeah. That's uh, they kind of storm in and he's having his way with Mina while Jonathan is also in the bed. Um he's so exhausted he's passed out. I think it's implied that he was drugged or yeah. maybe hypnotized, but yeah. That's such a it's it's shocking, even though you kind of know it's coming. And it's it really it's a Hail Mary kind of moment where it's like, okay, now we have to kill Dracula. We have to. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Because you no longer have a choice in the matter. (laughs) Right. Uh, Number four. uh, My number four was uh, Harker's carriage ride with Dracula to the castle. Mm. Um, with the wolves and just all the creepy imagery, we didn't discuss like the blue flame, like very oh yeah, creepy supernatural vibes. Like this is when you really start getting the something not natural is happening here. This is not a normal situation. There's mm-hmm. something's afoot. Yeah, and, uh, it just it really creates the atmosphere that I think carries the entire novel. Yeah, it's. And there's like he even gives like some backstory about like there's treasure buried at those spots, yeah, and you can yeah. only yeah, it's it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that part too, especially I, I I mentioned how scary the the ring of wolves is. Yeah, that's a um, great moment. So we mentioned it earlier. Um, probably surprising that this is so low on my list. I uh, the baby. Um, really? Wow. Okay, so yeah, the offering the baby to the brides is just like, oh my god, that is oh, a brutal moment. And um, I've quick shout out. I've been listening to regarding Dracula, mm-hmm. which is like the audio um, adaptation of the book that has each. Uh, day like whatever day it happened in the book it comes out on that day and the audio of when the baby happens is they add just a little extra like the baby's crying and then just Ugh. it's like <laughs> oh, okay no. all right yeah. i need to listen to that <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> What's your number three? My number three, and you may be surprised this isn't higher. It's the the Demeter, the the oh, okay, Demeter. yeah. Uh, that whole sequence is just so good. Mm-hmm. Again, it, it it feels like a like a slasher. Yeah, it's it's like it feels yeah. like a modern horror movie. Just that chapter is just so creepy and so full of dread. Mm-hmm. It, it just soaks through on the page. It's ugh. It's great. Yeah. Love it. Well, it's also my number three. Hey, um, all right. But uh, yeah, it's it's a perfect chapter of dread. Um, it's no wonder they made it into a movie. Um, again, we're not talking about the quality of that movie. Um, <laughs> it's it's like Alien, but in the 1800s on a boat. Yeah. Uh, and the xenomorph is Dracula. Yeah. It's really good. It's, uh, I think it's just, and it's something that almost every version, every adaptation has. Yes. Um, yes. 
some spend more time than others but it's it's usually yeah. there usually yeah. there mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll talk more about it later i think my favorite adaptation of it other you know we're not talking about the actual demeter movie but a direct movie nosferatu's is really, yes really yes a lot of the most like iconic like images from that film are aboard the demeter so mm-hmm. yeah that's always like, with me the crewman chopping open the coffin and seeing Dracula's or Orlock's face kind of poking out yeah. and he's like, ah, yes, yes. <laughs> but when he first pops up out of his coffin. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. We'll talk. Well, obviously we are doing a whole episode on Nosferatu, but yeah, just in a couple, a uh, couple episodes, uh, <laughs> we'll be talking about that, but uh, what's your number two? My number two. So this is how I wrote it. Parker's encounter with Dracula's brides and bag baby. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't, I won't uh, uh, say too much more. We, we've, we've covered it now, but uh, yeah, that, that whole sequence is just so, so horrifying. It's, it is, hor- it's horrifying, but we did also, we didn't mention how sensual that scene is written. Too. Yeah. He's been um, by the brides. Yes. And like he, he comes very close to uh, like, he's like, Oh God, I hope Mina doesn't read this. <laughs> this uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, you didn't have to write it down. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> he's being it. honest. Yeah. Damn it. He's being honest. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure she appreciated his honesty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, okay. So I've been, dancing around these two moments uh the whole episode because i find them so darkly hilarious but also horrific first up my number two is (laughs) mrs western fucks up her daughter's uh rehabilitation um (laughs) so it is so perfect van helsing is so happy he's up and he's giddy and he's like we put the garlic around her and she's going to be fine everything's great and mrs western was like now dr van helsing don't you take all that credit he's like what do you mean he's she's like well i was worried about her and i went in there and it just stank so bad (laughs) so i just took all that garlic down and i opened the window (sighs) and van helsing has to like keep his composure because if this poor woman gets a shock she dies instantly (laughs) and which we also didn't mention is exactly what happens with her Uh, dracula literally scares her to death (laughs) um but yeah it and van helsing just he 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 weeps afterwards he's just so frustrated because he knows what he's going to walk into but just the delivery and just like the irony of that moment (laughs) (laughs) i helped i helped you almost killed her (laughs) oh my god yeah well What's your number one? My, my number one uh, is is not terribly comedic, unless maybe you have a different sense of humor than I do. But it's uh, it is uh, Lucy's demise. Uh, when I say mm. Lucy's demise, I mean vampire Lucy's demise. So ah, yeah. uh, we've we've now uh, like so uh, 
I don't know if we've discussed who our favorite character is. Um, maybe. We'll, oh, I don't think we did that either. We'll, we'll do that. Well, I'll just lead into it right now. Lucy is my favorite character in this novel. That's so, awesome. Uh, you could say I love Lucy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she... <laughs> <laughs> but uh she she's she truly is so lovable uh and such mm-hmm. just a a like bright shining beacon in this depressing horrific book uh mm-hmm. and then she doesn't just die she comes back as the monster <laughs> and yeah. she's eating children basically she's yep. eating on yep. little children um mm-hmm. i don't remember if they ever actually say if any die uh, specifically. I don't think any of them die. Yeah, it's it's definitely not said if any do. But uh, the point yeah. is, she is she's literally feeding on children, and her suitors and Van Helsing have to put an end to her. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so bleak. They uh, drive uh, like an iron spike through her heart, cut off her head, and fill the mouth with garlic. It's <laughs> this beautiful uh lovely young lady that everyone adores this is her ultimate fate it is mm. horrific but mm. it's it's the point in the book to me that's like we're way past the point of no return now like yeah this we've now taken a beloved character and done something truly horrific to her uh and to yeah. me that's that's the thing in the book that really like yeah now we're 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 on the way to the, the end the destruction of mm-hmm. now we have to take this guy out yeah well i think my besides dracula himself i i i kind of yeah. feel cheated for picking him as my favorite but yeah i mean we i i, I mean let's be honest dracula is going to be our favorite I mean, there's a reason we're yeah. doing dracula podcast but the yeah. favorite non-dracula but character for me is, is lucy. i i think i think mina would be mine amina or van helsing but lucy yeah. is not yeah. far behind lucy is not far behind yeah yeah right, my number one let's hear it another darkly humorous moment i always uh i've got some co-workers that i i always tell them every year i read or read or listen to this and i always i tell them about this part and it gets such a laugh at how maliciously evil it is so jonathan harker is writing letters (laughs) and he's trying to sneak some out and he gets the attention of some of the Romani outside and he's like, they can't converse because they don't speak the same language. <laughs> and the guy on the outside grabs the letter and he kind of bows and is like, oh, yeah, we're getting that letter out there. <laughs> Not a sentence later, Dracula comes in and he's like, you know the guy outside just gave me these letters and (laughs) one of them is signed by you. (laughs) You're just like, Oh shit. Oh my God. Oh man. That is a ball kick. (laughs) (laughs) That is a comedic moment. I do agree. And Dracula gets pissed because the, uh, the one letter is written in um in uh, print yeah. like it's not so we can't read it right and it's like it's also not signed so there's like this passive aggressiveness where dracula's like surely my friend jonathan harker wouldn't write a letter and not sign it 
it's like oh man you you dick yeah i that one has just always it's just hilarious but also like oh shit it's a gut punch yeah yeah (laughs) well i think we've come to the end of our uh, episode here it was an extra long one i knew it would be um talking about yeah talking about a novel but um yeah um when we're not talking about dracula uh you can find me on a variety of podcasts including tomes of evil um the comic book supervillain podcast where a part of that network we also do a show called pathways which is about sith lord comics and josh joins me on that along with our uh co-host ann and then i'm also on gamma charge the strongest podcast there is predator and prey a yaucha podcast and about a hundred others <laughs> um josh uh, uh what are you up to when you're not talking about dracula oh, you can uh read my Substack if that sounds interesting to you it's uh joshlink.substack.com you can find it it's called a link to the masses um and it's uh just me talking about nerd stuff for the most part comic books movies novels horror uh video games uh, you name it uh if it's uh some form of pop culture media i've probably discussed it but uh, yeah uh, by the time this airs my uh list of uh every horror movie i'm gonna be watching in the month of october should be out uh that'll go out on my sub stack i pick a theme each year and watch Mm. one horror movie part of that theme per day uh and this year is going to be frankenstein so i'm gonna be doing frankenstein movies for the entire month of october you traitor yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah it should be fun i do it in chronological so day one will be the 1931 universal yeah. classic and uh we'll go from there and then on actually halloween day I, I watch horror movies that take place on halloween so it'll be uh house of the devil from ty west it'll be trick or treat from michael doherty it'll be halloween from john carpenter and it'll also be 2018 Halloween from David Gordon Green. Ah, yeah. That'll be we don't talk. Day. We don't talk about the other two. Uh, day, yeah. Well, we'll just leave it at that. Although I am um, a Bulls defender, um, uh, ends uh, not so much. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I like parts of both of them, but uh, nothing like the 2018. Yeah, uh, no, that's so far that, away the best of the yeah. new trilogy. Yeah. Um. Well, as far as uh, Frankenstein's, you're not going to start with Edison. Oh, come on uh, now! It, <laughs> I I put the YouTube video of it into that Substack, so when it goes mm-hmm. out, uh, and again, it'll already be out by the time this releases. Uh, you can just watch it there. It's like 15 minutes, so it's not worth doing a whole day <laughs> dedicated right. to that film. So I figured I'd just make it available to everybody. You can always yeah. watch it. I watched uh, Bride of Frankenstein a, a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm looking forward to rewatching Son of Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. Uh, because Lugosi is great in that as Igor. Yes, yes. Uh, a character that is now synonymous with Frankenstein and pop culture, even though he is not in the book and doesn't appear until that film. 
<laughs> right. Really the hunchback. Yeah. The hunch the hunchback in the first one is Fritz. Fritz yeah. It's not not Igor at all. Yeah. And anyway, one um, at all. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely not. Um <laughs> But uh, on the next episode of Taste the Pot of Dracula, we will be discussing a smorgasbord of uh, basically the content that was released in between the book and Nosferatu, which includes the lost film, Dracula's Death, which um, we're going to be reading, an, uh, or I'm reading an adaptation of, which is like a novelization. Um, I don't know if that's actually going to get here in time for me to read it, yeah. but uh, yeah, we're going to talk about it because I'll be doing a comic book, which also is yeah. not going to arrive in time. But uh, but um, so we're also yeah, going to we'll talk about it. We're also going to be talking about uh, the stage play, the Hamilton Dean and uh, Balderson uh, stage play, which was very uh, famous in the twenties and gave us Bela Lugosi. And also the posthumous release, Dracula's Guest, which was released by Florence Stoker. And it's kind of a, it was like a deleted chapter of Dracula that she released uh, basically as a money grab. Um, Pretty much. But um, I'm glad she did. Yeah. Yeah. It's more stuff for us to talk about. Um, But just a moment before you stop listening to this uh, podcast, ladies and gentlemen, we hope the memories of Dracula won't give you bad dreams. So just a word of reassurance. When you take out your headphones or you turn off your stereo and the lights have been turned out and you are afraid to look behind the curtain and you dread to see a face appear at the window, why, just pull yourself together and remember that after all, there are such things. 